Happy Father's Day. Man, there's a bunch of them out there. Brand new ones, little babies all over the place, no sleep, just about every pew somewhere. Really glad you're here, especially if you're visiting with us. Glad you chose New Life today. Um, really believe you'll be blessed today. And we got, um, uh, we're still in the middle of the series called Stronger, and um, we are starting this week to talk about Stronger Family. And um, I am really excited about it. You know, it just coincided with Father's Day. Actually, I planned that in January. So um, it worked out real well that on Father's Day we get to start talking about family. And um, especially if you're a dad today, just wanna, want you to know I've been praying for you the last four or five days um, just for your, your peace today. Um, even if you're not sure you believe all this stuff and you wonder kind of what you're doing here, um, you need to know that, uh, that you've been prayed over this morning, whatever that means to you. But what I believe it means is that... Um, that uh, the creator of the universe um, has something for you today. And so if you'll listen, you'll quiet your life a little bit. Um, I believe you'll hear a word today. So before we get started, I want to give you a chance to kind of get your life right, to get your, your, uh, all of your priorities straight a little bit. I was on the way back from L.A. Um, in an airplane. Uh, L.A. to Chicago is about three and a half hours, um, and then we hit... Uh, some turbulence and we hit some rain and some stuff so they had to circle a few times and it was a little over four hours I was on the plane and um, just thinking about you guys and uh, praying I would get back to you <laughs> sometimes in an airplane I get a little nervous but um, just uh, just so thankful to be your preacher and um, I wish it didn't take a couple weeks away for me to get that kind of perspective but I really am thankful and honored to be your preacher today and it it reminds me that what I've got to say today um, is bigger than me it is. What I've got to say today is bigger than me, and you want it that way, because don't look at my life. <laughs> I'm doing the best I can, and it's getting better every day, but I'm standing up here today not because i got a good life, and you should listen to what I have to say. It's because the Creator has, has gifted me to speak and has made me your preacher. Take it or leave it. And today, He has given me the opportunity to say something to you that will actually make change physically in your life. It will change your life to the better today. If you listen to this, you apply what is to be said. This is not my idea. This is his idea, and I'm just going to say it in a way today that I'm hoping it hits your heart for the first time. And if you're a dad today, especially, I'm going to give a chance today for you to be encouraged, for you to get more excited, for you to get rejuvenated, for you to get pumped up, and for you to get a word um, to give you new perspective on your job and your family. So before we do that, I do this every week, pray that God would use me um, and that he would quiet your heart so you can hear. You've got so much stuff going on in your lives. Um, the baby's in every row. <laughs> the work is just piling up for all of us. I know that. Some of you are starting new jobs tomorrow. Some of you are, um, are in the midst of jobs you wish you could quit and start a new one. <laughs> Some of you got yards to mow and you got things to do and you got parties to go to and whatever. I'm going to give you a chance right here, right now, if you had a big remote control for your life. Since it's Father's Day, talk about remote controls. If you have a big remote control for your life, if you can just kind of hit pause for a minute, okay? And just kind of stop, just for a second. Because here's the thing, you're going to sit here anyway. <laughs> so you might as well hear it with all your head and with all your heart. Let's do that together. Let's pray so we can kind of hit pause on the remote control of our lives so that God can speak to us. Let's do that.
God, it seems like in our lives, everything, everybody wants something from us. A little bit of our time, a little bit or a lot of bit of our money, our energy, our focus. Everything around us is competing for the resources that we have. And so right here, right now, we choose to give all of our energy, all of our focus to you. It's going to be hard for some of us because most of us are tethered to our phones or our computers or something all the time. And so right here, would you, would you change our focus? Truth is, God, life the way the world does it is broken. We all know it. And so we choose today to listen to the one who fixed it, created it. Would you speak into our lives so that we can hear you? And we'll choose to make an effort. We'll choose to do something active today to change who we are. Thank you for your sons. In his name we pray. Amen. I'm excited about this sermon. As you know, I'm in the midst of the family thing myself. And so it feels like I say this every time I preach, but... Man, I'm preaching to you today, um, and I'm learning at the same time. You know, I, this is a constant thing for me. I remember when I was growing up, um, the, the church I preached at, the, the preacher had kids who were, you know, like kids. They were junior high, high school kids, and they got caught, and they got in trouble, and they were in detention, and they got in trouble all over the place. And, and I remember when, when the family uh, sermons would come up, there would be this little talk amongst people around the church. I can't believe he's preaching about kids and family when his kids are such a mess. And I want you to know, at that point, I probably said something like that, and I repent. Because <laughs> let me tell you about parenting, and those who just started this know this. You think you know exactly what you want to do until the time comes and you realize how dumb you were for thinking you knew exactly what to do. And so as I'm preaching today, you need to know this is not out of my experience. I, I'm, I'm trying to grow, I'm trying to become a better dad, and I think I'm getting better at it all the time, and... Um, but at the same time, I, I see some real deficiencies in myself. In fact, I was writing this sermon. I was kind of cleaning it up while I was on the plane this week on the way home. And I just, I literally got convicted by one of the points I'm getting ready to preach. And, I, and my first prayer was, God, thanks for convicting me. And second, thanks for doing it now instead of on Sunday morning. Because <laughs> I don't want to be, I don't want to be where I was, you know, then. But um, I, I, there's some things in this sermon today you need to know are hitting me right in the heart. Part of the reason I'm saying that is so you hear my heart. Part of the other part of it is because my wife's sitting in the back row. And she's going to hear this today and go, huh, well, that sounds like a good idea, Mr. Preacher. Why don't you do that at home? And you need to know I'm trying, but there are, there are holes in my life when it comes to this thing. And I woke up this morning to two kids and a wife and a wiener dog that I don't deserve except for the wiener dog. I woke up this morning, and I went in, and I printed my sermon at the studio, and I came back to the house, and I just pulled into my driveway, and my house is for sale, and I don't even care about my house. I'm ready for it to sell and to move into a box if I have to because of the way God's gifted me with these kids and my, my wife. And um, I, I need you to know today that I am growing, that I'm hurting in a lot of ways, and there's holes in my life when it comes to parenting, but I could pull into my driveway today with a piece that I don't have anywhere else in my life. I could pull into my driveway, I could see my family, I could go talk to my wife, I could spend time with my kids with a peace that I don't have anywhere in my life. See, in my life, I have these major regrets all over the place. Major regrets all over the place in my life. And there's some regrets I have as a parent, too. But 
because my wife, my wife does this on a daily basis and I'm working on it, because my wife and I have decided that we want to do our family God's way, it has led us to a peace that you're looking for today. And very rarely do I stand on this stage and say, I have it and you don't. <laughs> and I'm not saying I have it completely, but I can tell you this works. So before I even utter a word today, even if you're not a, even if you're not a, a believer in all this, even if you're kind of kicking the tires or you're, you're not sure you believe all this stuff today, if you apply what I'm about to say today, this is a physical principle, a principle of life that will change your family, it will change your heart, it will lead you to closer to what you've always wanted. And, and I'll tell you exactly what I mean. The thing is, family, I love these. Have you seen these awkward family photos on Facebook? Um, some of you go, hey, wait a minute, that's my family. I always got to be very careful about which ones I chose. But um, the truth is, I don't know what your family's like. I don't know. I, the truth is, we, we all have these widely varying families. And when I was, uh, when I was a kid, I, I used to look at, at different families and think, man, I like that one, and I, I could be a part of that one, and, I, and oh, what if I was in those families, you know? And, and the, as we get older, we start to realize that we, we don't really have a choice um, in a lot of ways, what, especially our family of origin. And I don't know what your family's like today. I don't know what you brought in here. Maybe Father's Day is not a happy occasion for you. Um, maybe your, your family um, looks a little less ideal than you'd want it to. But I, I want to give you some things today, first of all, that we all have in common with our families. Um, first, we don't have a choice about our family of origin. You're born into it. You've got no choice with that. Now, we can choose who we marry and what family we get into that way, but the truth is, family of origin, you're just stuck with. That's who you were. It's one of the very few choices you have in your life. Um, another thing is that other people's families often seem better than yours. I remember thinking, man, I would love if that family was my family. They get to eat donuts for dinner, and they don't, they don't have a bedtime in the summer, and they, you know, all these things. And the older you get, the more you realize, no, God's given me a pretty good family. And the, the thing that I want to talk about as we start this series about family is, is the, the thing that we often all have in common is this too. No, no one you're related to is quite as smart as you are. Have you noticed that? That you think, especially, especially your extended family, you think that you could fix everybody in your family if they would just give you a microphone at a family reunion. You know? You could just stand up in front of everybody and go, hey, lose the toupee. Hey, um, you... Go get a job. You, she's no good for you. Go find somebody else. You, you need to move out. You need to kick him out. And it's, at the end of the family reunion, everybody would be happy all because if they would just do things your way, if they could just be as smart as you, then everything would be okay. And the problem with that is you don't know. You don't know what it's like. I have a real problem um, in my life. It gets worse the older I get. I, have to, I like to have things very clean and neat and organized, and I think it's a compulsive thing that I've got, and I'm, I'm, I'm working on it, but it plays itself out with my cars big time, you know? And my, uh, we have two cars, and mine, the one I drive on a regular basis, is pretty clean, but it never has the kids in it. And Risha's, I love her, you know? <laughs> But when I get in the car, it's just like stuff everywhere, and I can't drive. I just, I'm just like, ha-ha, you know, and, and she'll say the same thing to me every time. Honey, you don't know. You don't know what I go through. You don't know what these kids are eating in the back seat. You don't know how hard it is to drop them off here and then pick them up here. And I'll, It's just you and your client in the seat, and they don't spill their ketchup in the seats. And they don't, you know, and the truth is, she's right. I don't know. So now I just get in and clean it and don't talk to her, you know? Don't, don't even mention it about it. And the truth is, she's exactly right. I don't know. And neither do you. 
So the first thing I'm going to ask you to do today, the very first thing I'm going to ask you to do when we talk about families is to listen for you, not for them. There's going to be a real tendency this morning for you to go, man, I can't wait to get this sermon and give it to my husband because, oh my goodness. Or I can't wait to listen to this. I can't wait to give this to my extended family. I wish so-and-so was here because, man, do they need that sermon. And if you're not careful, you will miss it because, listen, you're not any smarter than anybody else. You just haven't been where they are. So lesson one, listen for you this morning. Okay? Okay, next slide. Here's the funny thing. The thing about the Bible is you, think, you might think today I'm going to tell you these stories. This is what I do as a preacher. I tell you a whole bunch of stories from the Bible to kind of tell you this is how God thinks you should live your life. But here's the thing. I looked, and there aren't very many good stories about families in the Bible. In fact, there are very few good stories that end well for the families in the Bible. In fact, you know, the first story in the Bible is Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve, Adam does, John Eldridge says this, incredible writer, says that Adam chose woman over God, and since that day, men have been choosing women over God. And Adam did, and it ruined everything. And then he had sons, Cain and Abel, who had the first murder in recorded history. And from then, it just got worse. Things just got worse and worse and worse. And so we don't have a whole lot of Old Testament stories. Then we get to the New Testament, and what we have is Jesus coming to earth saying, this is the way you need to live your life. If you want the peace that passes understanding, this is the way you need to live your life. And then a man named Paul comes and he says, because of the way Jesus talks about your lives and because of all these, here are the implications for you as a family, as a dad, as a wife, as a kid. Now here's what I want you to do. You're going to hear some of these things this morning and it's going to cause a reaction in you. It's going to either make you go, well, that sounds idealistic and stupid. And that sounds like the way my grandpa lived and I'm not living like that. And you're going to hear a couple things I'm about to say, and you're going to say, well, that's just dumb. People can't really live that way. Or you're going to say, boy, I sure wish my husband could hear this, okay? So I'm going to stop right there, and I'm going to tell you, here's what the Bible says. I can say right now in one slide what the New Testament basically boils down to when it comes to how you should live your life as a family, if you want the peace and hope, he says. He says, first, husbands, love your wives and be considerate, okay? And be considerate means you think about her instead of yourself. And you go, okay, well, I... That was real easy to do when she was young and hot. And... Or that was real easy to do when she was nice to me. That was real easy to do when she was, you know, 30 years ago, 20 years ago. But John, you don't know. I, I, it starts with husbands. I'm not talking about her. I'm talking to you. He says, love your, love your wives and be considerate. So we're going to talk a little about that. Now, this is the one that makes everybody mad. So just stop for a second, okay? Because you need to hear the context. You're already mad, women. I can see it. I'm telling you right now, you need to hear the context because people have been messing this up since 1931, okay? But here's what he says. He said, wives, submit to your husbands. And you say, you don't know my husband. And I'm going to say, you don't understand this piece of scripture, and I'm going to tell you about it in just a minute. So hold on. Don't walk out yet. And if you're listening online, don't shut me off. Then he says, kids, obey your parents. And the kids in the audience go, my parents haven't had a thought since 1987. <laughs> obey my parents. They don't know anything. Yeah, I'm telling you. This is the way to peace. And then he says this, fathers, don't discourage your kids. And you say, hey, my kids discourage me, <laughs> you know. My kids exasperate me. The Bible says don't exasperate 
your children. We're going to talk about that today. I got to tell you, when I see that last one, I notice there is a tension between the ideal and the real. The left, you got to be kind of old to know this. Warden, Jude, Beaver, and Wally Cleaver. This was the epitome of ideal family at that time. This was a, 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 just a story of a perfect family that all their problems were even good, you know? And they all end up tying in a big knot. And then we got, I love this picture on the right. This is sort of the new beaver family. It's like everybody's crazy, everybody's weird. There's not even a normal situation anymore in everybody. And so we have this tension between the ideal, what we consider to be ideal family, and real family. And truthfully, here's the thing about Jesus. When he walked the earth, this is a tension he held in his life all the time. Jesus came to the earth and he did this. He did not pull back on the ideal, on the, on the requests, on the goals for the way we live our lives. He didn't say, you know what, you've heard that it was said that you should not commit adultery, but I'm going to say, you know, every now and then if you want to, go ahead. That's not what Jesus said. In fact, every time Jesus talked about a rule, the rule got higher. The goal got bigger. You understand that? This is big. This is so big. So Jesus would say, he'd get in a big group of people, and he'd say, you know, you've heard it was said, don't commit adultery. I'm telling you, right here, right now, if you've ever looked at a woman wrong, you've already committed adultery with her. In one fell swoop, Jesus condemned every man he was talking to, and probably women too, but I'm just talking to the men. Every single person Jesus talked to, he just condemned. So you say, what are we going to do? What are you going to do with them, Jesus? What are you going to do with those people who have already committed adultery then in their minds? And Jesus goes, I'm going to forgive them. So here's the thing about Jesus. He has this tension. Jesus pointed towards an ideal every time. He always pointed towards the ideal. In fact, when he started telling that story, somebody said, what do you mean in my mind? And Jesus said, well, in the beginning, God meant for this to be different. God created an ideal for you. And he, said, he points towards an ideal, but then every time he points towards an ideal, he refuses to condemn those who don't hold up to it. You understand that? This is where we mess up with church, and especially when it comes to family. We say, yes, this is what God wants for us. I'll never forget when I went through my divorce, I, it, it kept me out of ministry, the way that people reacted to my divorce as a preacher. But, that, yeah, John, well, this is what people said, John, you're divorced, now you can't preach anymore. You're done. Like, hang on, wait a minute. According to Jesus, I can be forgiven. And you know what? It wasn't all my fault. It wasn't all her fault. And it's not ideal what happened to me. No question that when, it's not ideal. In fact, I know you believe that too, that your divorce is not ideal. You know why I know that? Because when your grandchild is born, you don't sit over the crib and go, boy, I certainly hope one day they're on their third marriage by the time they're my age. You think, boy, I hope they marry somebody who loves them at all costs for no, and never leaves them. You don't ever have a thought like that for other people, for your kids and your grandkids. You know that it's the ideal. And if Jesus were to come to earth and he'd say, you know what, live however you want. Marry whoever you want. Divorce whenever you want to. Do whatever you want. You're all forgiven anyway. We would all live this life of anger, frustration, much like some of us are living now. But Jesus says, here's the ideal. The ideal is that husbands and wives and children respect each other in a way that the world doesn't. And people go, yeah, but Jesus, really? Really? You know, that's what you... Yeah, that's the ideal. And if you pursue that on a daily basis, if you keep pursuing this on a daily basis, you will see a peace that passes all understanding start to permeate all the things in your family. Here's the thing with Jesus. The standard got higher 
when he came, and the grace went even deeper. The standard got higher and the grace went even deeper. So here's the question for you. As we talk about this, some of you are going to listen to this sermon series and you're going to say, well, can people really live that way? That was fine for my grandpa. That was great for my grandma. That was great for my great, 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 great grandma's grandma. But people don't live that way anymore. They can't, we can't do it. It's just not, it's not realistic, John. So here's the question. Are you willing to embrace the standard that Jesus set up that will lead to the kind of hope and peace you're looking for? Or will you change the rules so you feel better about where you are? That's the question. And I'm going to tell you today, you don't want to change the rules. You don't want to change the rules. You don't want to change the ideal. Here's what Jesus says. Here's what Paul says about Jesus. He says this. He says, Jesus came and he, he did this thing that, that was unmistakable. He did the opposite of what most people do. You know when you get a little bit of power in your life? You get just a little bit of power in your life. You leverage it. Don't you? you know that word leverage? It's that, that I'm going to use whatever I have to control other people, or I'm going to use whatever I have to buy whatever I can. I'm going to use whatever I have to get as much as I can out of my life. Jesus came, and when he came, he realized at one point, there's this cool piece of scripture. That's a whole other sermon. This incredible piece of scripture where Jesus was human, and he realized at that, in this moment in his life during his ministry that all the authority in the world, that God had made him all the authority in the world, that he had all the power of God in him right then. And if, if that happened to me, if all of a sudden I was sitting someday and I, and I realized in a moment that I was God, holy cow, I wouldn't have any more debts. You know, I've been avoiding bill, uh, bill collectors for 10 years. I'd be making phone calls to bill collectors. Hey, this is God. <laughs> Wipe that slate clean. Or, hey, go get me this. Hey, go do this. Hey, this, I'm in charge. That what I that's what I would have done had I had realized at that moment that all the authority on heaven and earth had been given to me. You know what Jesus did? He took a towel. He got down on one knee and he began to wash the feet of all the people that were around him. He submitted himself. And this is the word submit. Wives, this is why I said hang on for a minute. The word submit is to say for all of us, that we are going to take ourselves and put, it, put ourselves under the other person, no matter what we have. In fact, here's where that phrase comes from. I've been seeing this on CNN and on Fox News too long. People have been misquoting this piece of scripture, wives submit to your husbands. It's not the full piece of scripture. Look where it comes from. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. This is mutual submission. In that context... Paul says, wives, submit to your husbands. But he's already said, both of you submit to each other. It's called mutual submission. It's both of us. And here's what it looks like in life. It looks like you're going, no, 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 you. No. No, you, no, you first. No, no, when I get up in the morning, it, it's, no, it's, it's you. No, wait a minute, no. No, it's you. And you go, well, John, that's just dumb. People don't live that way. Yeah. That's why the divorce rate is higher than ever. See, here's the thing. Falling in love with your husband or your wife was really easy. In fact, it's never been easier to fall in love. You know there's over 300 websites you can go for matchmaking? And if those don't work, go see my wife. She's a matchmaker. <laughs> and she loves it. It's never been easier to fall in love, but it's never been harder to stay in love. And the reason is because people feel like falling and staying in love is the same thing as falling in love. I don't feel it anymore. I don't feel it anymore. The reason is because it, that wasn't love in the first place. Love is saying, 
submit, I'm submitting to you. No, 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 I'm submitting to you. No, 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 I'm submitting to you. No, I'm going to leverage everything I've been given for you today. So how does that look? He says, wives, submit to your husbands as you do the Lord. Look at this. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And you go, but you don't know my husband. You don't know my husband. You don't know my wife. She will never submit to me. She doesn't deserve to be submitted to. That's not what Paul says. He says, now, if you're not a Christian today, you're off the hook here, okay? This is, you just can decide what you want to do. If you're a Christian, if you're a Christ follower, this is not an option for you. This is the way you're intended to live your life. You submit to one another, the person that you've chose to be with, and the people in your family, your, your family of origin, your kids, you submit to them out of reverence, not for them. You don't do it because they're good people. Thank goodness. You don't do it because of them. You do it out of reverence for God. Because Jesus, one day, Jesus submitted to you and died on the cross. He says, husbands, love your wives. And husbands go, oh, so I get out of the whole submission thing? Nope, you didn't read the whole scripture. This is in addition to the submission thing. Love your wives. And you go, well, what does that mean? Like on Friday nights? (laughs) Does that mean whenever I would want a little something? Does that mean, now here's what he says, and and you might go, hey, I got off the hook with the whole submission thing, which you're wrong anyway, but even if you think that for a minute, look what he says, as Christ, just as Christ loved the church, you know what Christ did for the church? He gave up his life for the church. He said, nothing that I have is worth anything compared to you. So men, if you're going to stand on this piece of scripture, if you're going to say, hey honey, you're supposed to submit to me, guess what your job is? You give up everything. Everything. Yeah, but John, what about everything? You would put her above everything. And if there's one single thing that you're not, you're missing out. And so she. This piece of scripture would change everything for people. This mutual submission is life-changing. Mutual submission is leveraging any power that you have. So guys, I don't know if you knew this, men, but... But your, your family is waiting on you. They're waiting on you. Maybe they're waiting on you bringing your food stuff, but they're also waiting on you. They're waiting for you to lean in to the family. It happens with every family in America. Every single family. Even families outside of America, this happens where the, the men are just kind of like, hey, you know what? I'll, I'll lean in to the family when I want something, and when I don't, I'll kind of this way. And this is, this is what we do as men. This is our tendency. Even those of you who are good Christian men, I'm, I'm, I deal with this all the time. On Saturdays, I am a great dad. In fact, we call it Dadder Day around my house. And I work really hard at being a great dad. But Monday comes, and I go to work, and I come home, and I've been leaning in all weekend, and the kids are like, hey, Dad's here, and it's so much fun. And then I go, hang on, Dad's tired. And all of a sudden, I'm not leaning in anymore. At that moment, I have power in my family. At that moment, I have all the power when it comes to the atmosphere in my family. And you can ask my wife, I can change everything for our entire evening by the way I walk in the door, by the first thing I say, by the words that come out of my mouth. I can choose the evening right then. By whether or not I'm ready to leverage my power, my emotion, I'm ready to take anything that's been given to me and put myself under my family. Guys, listen to me. Please don't fall asleep in this. 
Because I am telling you right now, whether you believe in God or not, whether you're still kicking the tires on the Jesus thing or not, if you want to be happy, happiness will not and does not come from controlling the people around you. If you're sitting in a pew today and at any level you're trying to control your family, you're trying to tell them what to do, you're trying to, trying to boss them around, you think you know what to do, you need to know, even if they choose your way, you won't be happy. Happiness does not come from control. Happiness always comes from mutual submission. And if you want to be happy, you will submit mutually and it will change your life. You don't have to read a book to do this. You don't have to listen to another sermon to do this. You don't have to come back next week, although I hope you do. You can start right now because you know exactly what this means in your life. Next slide. And here's, if, and just in case you said, well, no, I don't, I'm going to give it to you right here, right now, today. The most powerful thing any family member can say to one another. And you can start today. It's Father's Day. Father's Day 2014 could be the day you decided, men, wives, kids. I'll tell you what, if you ask this question, it will immediately begin to change your family. Immediately, with all its authenticity, if you ask this question today, now you might want to wait a couple days, hope she forgets the sermon, or maybe she's not here, and that's great. Then you like, take credit for what a great question this is. I'm just telling you, it will change. Even if you're not sure it's all the way inside you, this will change you. Here's the question. How can I help you? What can I do? You hate kids? You want to give your mom and dad a heart attack? <laughs> High school students? You come home from school, you walk into the kitchen, and you go, hey, mom, before you run upstairs, before you do anything else, hey, mom, what can I do? Is there anything I can do around here? And here's the good news. She'll go like this. <laughs> and she'll be standing in a state of awe for so long that you can go upstairs, you don't have to do anything anyway. It's just going to shock her that you even asked. If you just say, mom, how can I help? Here's what it does. It says, I acknowledge that there is a burden on you. I acknowledge in my life that you do something that I may not even realize it needs to be done. I realize that you are carrying something for this family that I want to acknowledge and I want to say I want to help you with it. I'm telling you right now, men, this will change your life, this question. If it comes from a real place, if it comes from an authentic place, it will change your life if you ask this question. And I cannot say that more emphatically. This is mutual submission. And here's why it happened. Here, this is exactly why we're asked to do this. Jesus, 2,000 years ago, 2,300 years ago, was sitting in heaven one day. And God said, it's broken down there. It's just completely broken down there. These people need something more. They need a Savior. And Jesus says, what can I do to help? What can I do to help? God goes, well, you, you, you're not going to want to know. You're not going to like the ending of it. Jesus says, what can I do to help? And then he came and he submitted to you. He took all the sins in your life and he submitted to you. So guys, I know it's a little scary. The barrier to this question, the only reason in your mind you wouldn't do this today, is fear. Wives, husbands, kids, the only reason you wouldn't do this is fear. You're afraid somebody's going to take advantage of you, right? Well, if I do that, if I just walk around asking people all the time, how can I help you? then I don't get any of my stuff done. Well, just try. But, but John, I'll get taken advantage of. Yeah, you might. Yeah, you might. 
Wouldn't you rather have peace and get taken advantage of every now and then than to live your life trying to control everybody? Because in the long run, if you do this with a willing heart, you won't even know you're being taken advantage of and you won't care because you will understand and realize the way love impacts you personally. Here's what it is. It's saying I'm willing to loan myself to you right now. And if you aren't willing to loan yourself to your family, you'll never be happy. There's this phrase. Getting everyone to do everything you want them to do does not equal happiness. Mutual submission does. I absolutely love Father's Day. Because I love my father. I was with him all day yesterday. I love my dad. And you know what? I think about my dad, it makes me want to be a better dad. I know some of you don't have this in your life, but if, if you don't have a dad like that, then maybe even more you'll want to be this kind of dad, or this kind of mom, this kind of family member. I remember, what I remember most about my dad is three jobs he worked when I was a kid. He worked three jobs. And a lot of dads say, well, I was working for my kids. I, was, I, I didn't get to see the baseball games. I didn't get to go to the thing. I didn't get to do this because I was working. I was, I was trying to make a living for them. My dad somehow did both, which now that I'm at a point in my life, I realize that meant he had nothing for himself. He had no time for himself because it was either working to support the family or leveraging himself for me and my brother and my mom. That was who he was. Here's, here's what I think of my dad. You know, I, I, um, I was watching the Pacers. I'm sorry to bring up the Pacers. I was watching the Pacers lose, and I know the moment they lost. I could see, I was watching the game, and I saw the moment that they began to lose. It's when they came to the huddle, and they had always been in this high-five mode. They, everybody's in the huddle. They're all kind of arms around each other, and the camera kind of panned away from them, and I noticed three of the guys were in the huddle, and two of the guys were going like this, outside the huddle, not listening. And my heart went, uh-oh, it's the end of the game. Because, see, here's the thing. Three of the people were leaning in. Two of the people were leaning out. And it's over. When I was a kid, I can't remember a time in my life where my dad wasn't leaning in. Can't remember a time, no matter how bad things got, no matter how bad our finances got, no matter how high the yard got, no matter how bad things were or how good things were, my dad leaned in, made mistakes, but always leaned in. And I'm going to ask you, fathers, right now, are you leaning in? Because here's the thing, your kids are, your wife usually is. In this place right here, right now today, there are, there are wives and families who are waiting for you, Dad, to lean in. And they're leaning, and they're leaning, and they're leaning, and they're starting to fall over because they're waiting for you to lean too. Here's what you do if you want to lean in today. Just ask this. What can I do? What can I do today? How can I submit myself to you today? You know, if you go out and you, uh, you watch the QVC channel or you watch late night Flowbee commercials. Remember the Flowbee? I love that thing. You watch these gadgets, they're all going to say the same thing. Money back guarantee. Money back guarantee, they got all these guarantees. Just try it. They just want to get it in your hands. Because if they get it in your hands, you realize, I can't live without this little ninja cruncher thing that I've never been able to make apples so easy, you know? And, and you, they know if they get it in your hands, you're not going to send it back because you can't live without it. I'm telling you today, 
I don't have any money to give you. But if you give this a week, if you just give it a week, especially when things are going bad, especially when things are going hard, mom and dad, can you imagine what it would be like for your kids to come home and instead of you yelling at them about what's next, instead of you yelling because their room's not clean or their homework's not done, or because, what if you were to say, hey, what can I do to help? What can I do to help you today? Homework's hard, I know. School's got to be rough, I know. Things are tough. Can you imagine the way that changes your relationship? If you can't, you should just try it today. I'm going to give you a chance today. Very few times you get this in your life. Give you a chance today to make real impact on your family today on Father's Day. Band, you guys can come up. I'm going to ask you. You know, the thing about Jesus is he had this ideal for life and he had the real for life and he held them both. And people would say, well, Jesus, what, what is this? Is it the ideal? Is it the, the way things should be or the way things are? And Jesus would say, yes. Yes, both at the same time. I'm going to give you both. Are you, have you just been making broken okay? Will you do what it takes today to mutually submit to your family? And what you can't do is leave saying, well, what does it take? Because I gave you the words. Actually, put them in your mouth today. You have no reason today not to try this. Will you lean in or will you pull away? Today's the day. You know, we talk about it all the time around here. We have kids in this building all the time. In fact, I've become, people will listen to my sermons online and say, I don't know how you can preach with all the kids in the room, all the noise and all the stuff. I don't even hear it anymore. I don't even hear it because we have kids around here so much. In fact, it's really weird to me if I don't hear the little noises and see people running and little things on stage. I, it's weird. It's odd to me if I don't get that because I love it and I miss it. And you need to know that when Jesus came and since Jesus came, any culture in the, in the history since Jesus came that has embraced Christian values, it's been better for women and children in the long run. The women and children have fared better every time they've embraced Christian values. And every time they haven't, it's been hard for women and children. Jesus made it better for everyone. And he said, if you just come in and you mutually submit, if you come in and you say, no you, no, no you, no you, maybe you'll never get through the door. <laughs> but you'll never, ever understand what God has for you without mutual submission in your family. I'm going to need a chance today to submit to each other, to, to make that commitment together. Here's what I'd like to do. You know, it used to worry me that nobody would ever respond to these things, and I've been here so long now, I don't care. It's, up, it's between you and God, okay? But here's what God led me to today. You know, I, every now and then I'll say, if you want to come to the back, I'll be back there in the back, and I will be back there today. If you want to come back there, you want to pray over something today. But here, here's the other thing. I'm going to give you a chance to come up to the front today. And if you want to come to the front, you want to lean on these stairs, and just between you and God, you just want to say, God, I want to lean in. I want to be the person you want me to be. Maybe today it's not, the, it's not, it's not your family of origin that is the issue. Maybe it's an extended family you need to do this with today. But... I had to picture today on the way here that maybe God wanted husbands and wives and families to come to this stage together today and to say, we're all leaning in. We want to lean in together. If you want to do that today, it's just between you and God. If you don't, no big deal. I'm going to be back there in that corner. I'd be glad to pray with you today. Happy Father's Day. I love you. Would you lean in today? Just stand and sing with us.